Well, we're going to carry on in our study of uh, the, our origin series. And uh, in particular, we're going to carry on looking at the book of Revelation. And uh, this week, as you've heard, we are going to take a peek into heaven. Do you fancy that? Yeah. Do you fancy taking a little look into heaven? And we're not just going to go generally into heaven. We're going to go into the throne room of God. The kind of center of it all. I don't know if there's a special room in your house. Is it the kitchen or where you all gather and it's kind of like, this is where everyone kind of comes to. Well, this, I think, is the heart of heaven because this is where God the Father dwells. And where Jesus, his son, is next to him. Now, of course, God is everywhere, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, good. That's right. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. But God is particularly in the throne room. Because that's what scripture tells us. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into chapters 4 and 5. And we're going to see something of what it's like. Of what's going on in the most important room. The most important place in heaven. Mm. And actually uh, Revelation 4 in particular gives us more understanding and more insight to this amazing place than anywhere else in the Bible. There are some tremendous revelations about heaven. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 1 and uh, you read that first chapter, there are some extraordinary things. Ezekiel sees uh, some amazing things, actually, and some of which overlap directly with uh, this uh, chapter, chapters 4 and 5. And if you recall, Isaiah had a revelation of the throne of God. Who remembers that? Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. And he was on his throne and his train fills the temple. And he was terrified. Do you remember that? Absolutely terrified. And he realized how sinful he was. And an angel had to come and touch his lips with a burning coal. I'm not quite sure how that worked. But anyway, (laughs) that's what happened. Uh, Just this sense of awe. So why don't we read together? Now, um, I haven't put the slides up here just because there's so much. I'm going to read two chapters. So can I invite you to sit back and enjoy I'm reading from the ESV version. If you have got a Bible and you want to open it, please do that and follow along. So here we go, Revelations 4. Of course, this is written by uh, the Apostle John. He writes this. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones. And seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there, were, there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. 
And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who was seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. And then I saw on the, uh, in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or on under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign uh, on the earth. And then I looked and around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and glory and honour and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the, the elders fell down and worshipped. It's phenomenal stuff, isn't it? Phenomenal stuff. Remember... This is our real home. Yeah. Yeah. We are in transit through the earth at the moment. The Bible says we are citizens of heaven. Yeah. This is our home. We're reading about home. Now, uh, the question I guess we have when we read something like that, of course, is kind of how do we read this? Mm. How, do we, how do we approach this? You know, um, we, we could, I guess, uh, and probably to some degree will, we could sort of try and get into what everything means. We can do a bit of a Bible study, you know what I mean? We can say, well, let's have a quick look at, um, uh, uh, um, uh, at Ezekiel, and we'll look at uh, Isaiah, and we'll sort of compare the two, and what, what does that mean, and how does what, you know, what, who are these 24 elders? Are they angels or people? That's a bit of a theological debate, apparently, that goes on. 
I think they're people, just out of uh, interest. Why are there 24 of them? Uh, who are these four living creatures? Why do they have eyes all over them? I mean, how does that work? Surely that means if they took a step, they'd be stepping on their own eyes. I mean, how does that, what? Surely, wouldn't that hurt? Oh no, there's no pain in heaven. Yeah, okay, right, no. What's the, what's the meaning of these different forms they take? Why is one a, a, a lion, one a, an eagle, one a, an ox? I mean, what's all that about? Why, why are they doing that? And then this, I mean, so many questions, aren't there? What's this crystal sea thing? Yeah. Crystal sea? Right, okay. And then the thing for me here is we're having a description of God, the Father Almighty, and we get about two lines. You would think, well, surely that's where you're going to stay. And just, come on, give us the full SP of what does the Father look like? But no, two lines and we move on. Mm. So you think, oh, there's so many questions here that we could be asking. And, uh, you know, we can get into all of that. But before we do any of that, I think we should just say this. We just read about the throne of God. Yeah. With God on it. Yeah. This is God Almighty. The great one. You know, in Hebrew they call him El Shaddai. And we just read about him. We've just been allowed to see him. We've been invited in, as it were, to the throne room. And through John's eyes, we've just been allowed to see this stuff. This is what people long to see. And we've just been given two whole chapters on it. I don't think particularly this is a moment to be analytical to do our Bible study at this point. Oh yeah, that's interesting. That compares with Ezekiel 1 verse 4. No, no, no. I think right now, today, what we're doing is we're saying we are in awe of God. Hello, are you with me? Yes. Good. We are in awe of God. Good, excellent. Well done, brilliant. Good. And I think particularly when you put this together with the revelation of Jesus we've seen in chapter one, do you remember when Ian preached on, on yeah. Jesus? This awesome Jesus, eyes like fire, hair like wool, voice like the sound of many waters. We've seen this awesome revelation of Jesus. Now we're having an awesome revelation of the throne. This is an extraordinary time we're having in this book. We're getting to see stuff that is remarkable. I think as well, it's perfectly fine for us to proceed with this book without understanding all of the detail. Mm. In fact, I'm not sure we will fully understand all the detail ever. And frankly, I'm quite happy for the theologians to fight that one out mm. and to say, well, are they angels? Are they not? Yeah, God, well, have a lovely time, fellas. I'm just going to be in awe of God, really. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I think even John actually is struggling with this stuff. I mean, I, I kind of giggled to myself slightly when I was reading through this. He says this, um, so John says, well, um, he who sat there had the appearance of, in other words, I can't quite describe what I'm seeing, but it's sort of like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, I can only describe God the Father in terms of two rich jewels, one that's opaque and one that's a bit red. That's what he looked like. So we're all thinking, what? And then he said, um, he said uh, yes, now around the throne there's a rainbow. Well, we all know what a rainbow looks like, don't we? Yeah, well, this one was green. <laughs> What? So John is kind of saying, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's the, sort of the best we can do. And then he says, before the throne, there was, as it were, I love that, as it were. I mean, that's the closest I can do, boys, sorry. As it were, a sea of glass. Well, when I say glass, more like crystal. Yeah, sort of. You know, I'm trying to rip, 
What is this? And then even these creatures he describes were like a lion. It was like a lion, but not a lion, because it had eyes all over it. <laughs> and like an ox, but you know, I'm just, I'm just, he, the man is, you see what I mean? He's, yeah. he's seeing stuff, it's like, how do I put this into human language? Well, it's like this, or a bit like that. So if we don't get to understand it, well, I think that's okay, yeah. all right? I think it's all right. I think we've just been taken, though, to a place that is beyond our understanding. That's where we've gone to, way beyond our understanding. We have gone to a place where rainbows can be green. And you think, what? Where these extraordinary creatures have eyes all over them. <laughs> How does that work? Could you imagine that on Earth? How would that work? You'd constantly be rubbing them, wouldn't you? Oh, my eye hurts. <laughs> How does that work? And of course, we have this awesome display and with all of this stuff that's going on, there is also a soundtrack going on, because, and a light display, because we see this throne, and lightning is shooting out of it. And then there is thunder, hammering away, boom. You have this sense of the power, the awe of God from his throne here at this time. It's just awesome. You're seeing stuff you don't understand, but there's this noise, and God is just awesome. So what's all of that saying to us? Well, I think it's saying this. It's reminding us that there are things that exist, things in heaven, that are currently far beyond our understanding. Yeah. It's reminding us this. We are finite. Yeah. We are dealing with an infinite God. Yeah. A God who has an imagination that goes way beyond us. God who says, yeah, green rainbow, yeah, no problem. Yeah, eyes all over someone. Yeah, fine, boom, done. And we are left thinking, what, eh? This is way out, outside of my understanding. And I think that's partly the point. God's saying, see what I'm like? Way beyond uh, your understanding. I think there's much in God that can leave us breathless, yeah. that can leave us awestruck in wonder, I think there's much in God that actually can leave us a bit frightened, sometimes very frightened, sometimes really confused. Yeah. That was the experience that the disciples had with Jesus. Yeah. Do you remember when they were transfigured? What was their experience? They were terrified, weren't they? What is this? Do you remember the day that Jesus walked on the water and he got in the boat? They didn't all say, yeah, that's quite good. They know they fell on their faces and said, we worship you. It's the kind of God that we have, and that's what we're seeing. An awesome God. Awesome God. And actually, to be reminded of how awesome he is, I would say Christians, is a healthy thing. Yeah. It's a really healthy thing. Because sometimes in your Christian life, you can feel <laughs> like things just get mundane. Yeah. Can't you? Oh, uh, here we go again. I know what this week will look like. I have a sales meeting, not not me personally, but you know, you might. <laughs> I have a sales meeting, or you're gonna, I know it's gonna be up at the gates. I've gotta pick the kids up. I know what's gonna happen. It's just, here we go again. It's yeah. just week after week after week. Or maybe 
Maybe the difficulties of life are just grinding you down and you can just get to a point, you say, what's the point? What's the point of it all? Well, I would suggest, Christians, that your awe and wonder has been stripped away from you mm. in those points. And if you're in that place today, I want to say to you, go into chapter 4 and 5, get yourself before the throne of God. Yeah. Go and have a look at rainbows that are green and living creatures that have eyes all over them and say, oh God, you are awesome. That's where you need to go. These chapters are fresh life to you. Mm. Yes. They will breathe a sense of awe again into you. Go study them, read them, be a bit freaked out by them. I certainly, I mean, you can see how my mind's been going. How do you walk with eyes on your feet? You know, how does that work? How do, you know, my mind can't really deal with it. Go be awed by God. Now, I think um, the more important question that we should be asking here is not so much who are all, this, all these creatures and what does it all mean? I think this is the more important question to be asking. What is going on in God's throne room? What's happening in the environment? And of course, the answer to that overwhelmingly is worship. Yeah. Worship. The throne room of heaven is just full of worship. That's what's going on. It's never-ending worship. That's what happens in the presence of God. You just want to worship God. You just want to worship him. So you've got these four living creatures, these, you know, bless them, a bit weird, but four living creatures with the eyes all over them. And what they do all the time, day and night, unceasingly, is they cry out this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who lives forever, who was and is and is to come. That's what they're saying all the time, yeah. all the time. They're doing that day and night, day and night. And it says, whenever they do that, the 24 elders fall down before God, throw their crowns before him and worship him. Yeah. So what's going on in the throne room of God? Constant worship. Yeah. So you've got these creatures worshiping, then the elders worshiping, and the creatures worshiping, then the elders worshiping. It's just this constant cycle of worship. Worship, worship to God. <clears throat> and then we move to chapter five and it gets altogether more intense. Yeah. I mean, personally, I thought chapter four was pretty intense, but now we're coming into chapter five and it's like they, they, the, the whole key changes. You know what I mean? The intensity suddenly goes up again. Because in the book of Revelation, whenever God does anything significant, there's always a new song. If you study the worship in the book of Revelation, God does something new, there's a new song immediately comes up. And uh, he's just about to do a new thing in chapter 5. So there is this new song. And uh, Jesus has just been found worthy to open the scroll. And the scroll is, I think, symbolizes the purposes of God for the future and leading to the ending of this earth and the introduction of the new heavens and the new earth, the judging of Satan and basically the, the, the new stuff that God has in mind for us. Yeah. And uh, initially it looks like no one is worthy to do that. We see John weeping away into his handkerchief. And then uh, one of the uh, elders says to him, no, no, Jesus has been found worthy. 
and the place goes crackers, goes bananas. Good theological word, bananas. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look at this place. We have these living creatures. This time they fall down as well. And then we've got the 24 elders there on their face. Well, you kind of, that's sort of standard. You'd sort of expect that. But then it says beyond them, there are myriads of myriads of angels and they're worshipping. And it says they worship loudly. So you've got, I don't know, countless numbers of angels now very, very loud around them. And then it says there's another level to come. Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So what is that? Worms? Must be. Anything down there is worshipping and in the sea and all that is in them they worship so god is now being worshipped on every available level every order of created being is now worshipping they're engaged in full wholehearted passionate exuberant worship to god in heaven everything is focused on him on honoring him and worshipping him. Actually, do you know what? This so reminds us. You know when we've had little moments where heaven has broken through? Yeah. You remember when the Jesus is announced, the birth of Jesus is announced? you remember that? Yeah. It's something good where I like that. And uh, what happens? So an angel appears yeah. and uh, he speaks, doesn't he, to the uh, shepherds and he tells them, I bring you good tidings of great joy for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Then it says, a whole bunch of angels suddenly appear and they worship, they praise, they honour, they exalt God. What's happening there? They've just brought something of the atmosphere of heaven to earth. See, what we've just been reading about here is what they've just done there. This is what's going on in heaven. This is where we're going. We're dealing with origins here. That's the, the, where where do we begin and where do we end? Where are you and I going if you're believers? This is where we're going. What are we going to be doing? This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be worshipping God eternally engaged with him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, even in bad times, we read in the book of Revelation, and there are some, if you read your way through, there's some real extraordinary things that happen. Even in the bad times, what is heaven doing? It's worshipping. It's worshipping. In chapter 19, God has just poured out fierce judgment on the earth. Many have died. What are the angels doing? They are praising him for his, his, just, his just judgments. Say, just are you, O oh God. It's really important for us to remember that worship is key for us. Worship's key for you. Absolutely. We were created by God to worship him. Yeah. Now let me, you were created by God to worship him. And if we don't worship God, we will end up worshipping something else. Mm -hmm. 
will find an idol and we will worship them. Such is the need for us uh, to worship. Yeah. This is what the Bible says. This is what we should be doing, continually worshipping God. Yeah. Through him then, let us continually, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you have breath? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> we are built for worship. It's hardwired into us. Worship is the response of heaven to God. If you study the worship, sometimes you'll notice it's sung worship. Mm. Other times it's spoken worship. Yeah. And other times it's spoken loudly worship. Okay. Which might come as a bit of a relief to you if your voice isn't great. You're not a great singer. When you sing, it sounds like, you know, tin cans being dragged down a road. I don't know, whatever. If that's your case, you might be pleased to know that much worship is spoken. Mm. I want to encourage you actually on Sunday mornings when we sing, we sing a song, can I encourage you to speak out worship in between the songs? Yeah. yeah. So don't be passive in between the singing, but step forward and say, God, I love you and worship you on me. Yeah. The other thing I think perhaps we should remember is this the book of Revelation was written during a period of intense suffering yeah. and persecution. Remember Nero? And Domitian, these two horrors, these guys, the Roman emperors who had a reputation for persecuting Christians, we believe that the book of Revelation was written in their sort of era. What does this book tell us? Well, it tells us this, we even worship God in the midst of horror. Yeah. In the midst of horror and pain and difficulty. In fact, I think when you look at the Psalms, God's songbook, I think one of the ways that we get through difficult times is a focus on and an involvement with what's going on in heaven, which is worship. I was listening to uh, one commentator who said this. He said, uh, come across uh, some uh, historical material, and he was reading about some of the early Christians in the Roman Empire, and uh, they were thrown to the lions. They were thrown into the arena, and they were going to face certain death. And they gathered together and they sang and they started to worship. Even as the lions were released, they were worshipping God. And the crowd couldn't believe what they were seeing. How is this possible that these people could be worshipping God faced with certain death? How can that happen? And uh, we know that the Christian church grew rapidly, didn't it, in the time of the Roman Empire? It might mean for you, some of you, you have to worship God right now. You're going through a tough time. Can I encourage you, you might have to worship God through gritted teeth. I, I personally find when I go through difficult times, I find it very difficult to sing, but I can still speak. And so sometimes through gritted teeth, I say, God, I worship you. Mm, yes. In, the, in spite of what's going on, I still honour you and I put you first. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to change my circumstances, but I'm still going to worship you in the midst of it. 
Just feel it's key for some of you today just to freshly look at worship. Yeah. What role does worship play in your life? Mm. Are you worshipping God through difficulty? Or do you walk away from God mm. in difficulty? I'm going to end with four different questions and then we're going to come back and we're going to worship. First question is this. How are you doing with worship? Good. Do you worship God outside of Sunday mornings? What does that look like for you? Second question. Could you build more worship into your life? Bearing in mind that you were created to worship. How could you build more worship into your life? Third question. Do you worship God in times of trouble? Or do you run away from him? And then the last question is this. When were you last in awe of God? When when did you last say, God, you are awesome? Let's pray. And I'm going to come back and we're going to worship this God. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. Father, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that there is continual worship. Even now, even as I'm speaking, there is worship going on in heaven. But we just acknowledge that you are the living God. You are an awesome God. And we worship you right now. We bless you. Father, I pray that there will be a shift in many people from today onwards, that worship will just take a fresh role in their lives. That they will begin to draw near and worship you through good times and bad. Father, thank you that you made us to worship. I just pray, Holy Spirit, come and help us to engage with you in a new way, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's worship.